to Peak Care's Stories of Hope and Healing podcast. We have 11 episodes exploring the hope and healing framework. This framework sets the foundation for caring and working with young people in residential care in a way that understands and responds to trauma. The Hope and Healing Framework was written by Encompass Family and Community. In this podcast series, you'll be listening to the stories of young people previously in residential care, practitioners with residential care experience, and experts who were part of the advisory group for the Hope and Healing Framework or are specialists in trauma and child protection. All young people on staff have been given a pseudonym to protect their confidentiality. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are warned that episodes may include names and voices of people who have since passed away. Just trying to provide as much support as we can for each child to meet their needs to make them feel as safe as possible. I think it's about creating safety and stability. Um, and I think that starts from the moment we accept the young person. Welcome to the ninth episode of Peak Care's Stories of Hope and Healing series. I am your host, Hayley Holst from Pracademics. Throughout this podcast series, we have explored the fundamentals of care and the focus areas of a therapeutic approach in residential care. We are now looking at some additional concepts within the framework in our next three episodes. And for this episode, we will explore what makes a good transition in residential care. As this podcast will be listened to throughout Queensland, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of these lands and pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the hardships endured by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and families and hope that this podcast is sensitive to their experiences. We would also like to acknowledge the important contributions made by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, professionals and volunteers within the child protection sector in Queensland. While this episode focuses on helping young people transition into residential care, it is important that we understand the range of transitions that young people in care experience, as well as the cumulative impact over time. Most children in residential care have experienced multiple placements from a young age. They transition to different schools, transition through out-of-home care placements and residentials, transition between family members when parents separate, They also eventually transition into independent living. In the process of transitioning, children and young people lose connections with family members, with school friends, peers, family pets, as well as lose belongings and a sense of place. They also rarely, if ever, have time to grieve and adjust to their new environment without the pressure to enrol in school, make new friends and settle into new routines. It is the combined effect of these transitions which compounds trauma for children in residential care. For most of us, moving house, changing schools or changing jobs can be a stressful experience. So we can begin to imagine how much more stressful those transitions are for a child or a young person in care who may be making multiple transitions simultaneously or continuously. In this episode, you'll be hearing from two young people, Ethan and Chantelle, as well as experienced residential care workers, Tony and Peter. Finally, we have included Lisa Hillen and Sandy Wilson from the Expert Advisory Group. We hope that their stories and ideas will bring to life this important element of hope and healing. When we think about transitions for young people into residential care, this is often a time of disruption and uncertainty for young people. So it is critical that all adults involved in the care of young people are involved in addressing the young person's underlying need for safety. In the Hope and Healing Framework, 
Safety is identified as a fundamental of care for young people. It underpins all efforts to support them. And you may recall from our first episode that it is the young person's perception of safety that is critical. Experienced residential care worker Tony talks about his philosophy towards transitions. I think it's about creating safety and stability. Um, and I think that starts from the moment we accept the young person. Sandy Wilson, a member of the Expert Advisory Group and the Director of Quality Practice and Placement Support in the North Coast region, spoke about her region's intent to show careful consideration to young people's needs and reasons for transitions and the importance of slowing things down as much as possible. One of the things we've really tried to do in the region is just really try to slow this all down. Mm -hmm. And so um, even if a young person goes on an emergency basis, you know, a placement's broken down and they're going into residential we then, you know, we've got, um, you know, stakeholders meeting, you know, state that most of these young people, they'll all have a, they're in a residential for us, they'll all have a stakeholder group. And that group's job is to also gather the views of the young people. And, and at times, depending on what the young person wants, you know, they can, they're participating or participating in, in an aspect, you know, in part of that. Um, but definitely their voice is at the table. Mm-hmm. And so um, while it might be an emergency placement, you know, we're, really quickly wanting to just slow it all down, um, really give consideration to what's what's occurred, what might have contributed to the, you know, the placement breakdown mm-hmm. and really looking at, um, you know, at understanding the, the young person's needs. All of our interviewees, from young people to experienced staff and experts, emphasise the importance of planning for a good transition. Chantelle talked about a time where she was involved in a good transition into co-tenancy with another young person. They did a meet and greet with the kid I was living with before we lived and moved in and agreed to move me into with her. So we went and did ice skating. So like something to break the ice. Like so you get to know each other for and see if you get along with that person and like you connect. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan spoke about the importance of considering the impact on other young people who may be in the placement prior to a new co-tenant arriving. Maybe telling the other young people, there is a young person coming in, you know, what is your feelings towards another young person coming in and what do you think I can do or we can do as a team to help you cope with another young person. This was echoed by experienced residential care worker Tony, who highlighted that when transitions are occurring at any service, the focus should be on all young people in the placement and that adults should work collaboratively to minimise the impact of that transition on each of the young people involved. How each child feels who's going to be involved in, in you know, any, any particular placement. Um, yeah, just trying to provide as much support as we can to each child to meet their needs, to make them feel as safe as possible. Um, and so um, a, a process that we uh, have uh, for the program uh, here that I'm currently involved with. Um, we like to involve the, uh, the, uh, the child safety team for every single child to come together, to talk about uh, you know, uh, their child uh, and also to kind of be made aware of you know, uh, what's happening for other young people in the placement as well as the young person transitioning in. Tony also pointed out that residential care workers and service providers should ensure they are speaking to young people to seek their input on transitions and co-tenanting arrangements. That's certainly a big thing that, um, yeah, we want young people to have a voice. 
and uh, to, to express their thoughts and opinions safely, you know, without any fear of, you know, it being you know, held against them or something like that. Ethan suggested that not only should young people be asked and consulted about transitions, but if they could be given some information about other young people that they will be living with, it may help ease some nerves during transitions to new placements. If a young person can get as much info about the people that are there, what they're like, what you, the people, what your CSO or whoever would, whoever is, if you think that they would be like with you or what you'd be like with them, maybe, so they sort of think, they sort of know what to expect when they're walking in the door. Chantelle gave a simple but important piece of advice about involving young people in their own transitions. Uh, making sure the kid's present if possible, like, because I noticed with a lot of mine, I was never present. Ethan told us that he had experienced a number of placement changes in residential care, but his reflection when we asked him about transitions was important. It's kind of think like I still don't really know like what actually gets a young person to move from a residential or foster placement. I mean, as a young person, you're just told that you're moving. Ethan's reflection on this highlights the importance of communicating to young people during transition phases. We asked Sandy Wilson about the role of care teams in supporting young people through transitions and helping them to understand the reasons that may lead to placement changes in order to minimise the impact on the young person. Sandy reminded us that the process of transitions themselves will mean that young people will be experiencing distress and that we should be mindful of that in our communication. You know, maybe they've just come out of home or, um, or our placement's broken down with a carer. Um, either way, they're going to be, um, there's a level of trauma and distress, confusion. And so even if a child safety officer has explained it, it's probably an ongoing, needs to be a constant conversation initially. But the care team there will, you know, probably will need to say sort of similar information again, just check out, does the young person have questions? You know, support them to be able to ask the questions of the child safety officer. Sandy goes on to stress that one conversation with a young person about their transition is not enough and that all members of the care team should have an ongoing conversation with the young person. While all interviewees emphasise the importance of planning and preparing adequately for transitions to make them more smooth for young people, for those who work in residential care, it would not surprise you that both young people and care workers said that it was not always possible for a planned transition, as you will hear from that Ethan. Would be the, the least support ones would be the ones that were out of the blue or not planned, or maybe they were, but I just wasn't told. Um, and then that was the only one that I can think of that was planned. We asked Ethan for some practical advice for residential care workers in those situations. What could carers do to support a young person and help them feel more at ease, even if it had been an emergency placement? He gave us the following suggestions, starting out with sharing information between young people so that they don't feel like complete strangers. You know, even asking the young person on the way, like, hey, there's some other young people there, would you be up for us telling them some stuff about you? And vice versa, you know, to the young people already there, you know, um, to the young person that's moving, would you be up to sharing some info about you? And if, if so, what info? Ethan went on to suggest things that carers could do both individually with the young person and if there are other co-tenants when a young person arrives at a new placement. If you helped them unpack, you know, you showed them around, um, showed them to their room, you know, after a bit, if you maybe show them, you know, that it is a place that is safe, 
and maybe you say like what makes it safe show them what you think makes it safe you know maybe if you know once you settle down or she settled down um we go play a game or something or you know we find out if they're liking to play video games so maybe um, that might be something we can connect in you know play video games together or something Sandy also spoke about what some residential care services could do, even in emergency situations where there is very little time to plan. A little bit of information about the care care team members, you know, some photographs of the residential, um, the sorts of things they do there. Um, you know, so there's some opportunity to do a little bit of planning, you know, even if it is just that afternoon, if the care team you know, has, has some documentation like that that's prepared beforehand, and that can be really helpful even initially for the young person to be able to see that. Finally, we spoke with Lisa Hillen, member of the Expert Advisory Group, about a common concern raised around the amount of information that residential care staff may be provided prior to a young person coming into their care. She reminded us that while case file information is important, it is most important for those working directly with young people to get to know the young person in front of them and where they are at right now. Your case file is a file of the history of trauma but it's not a history of survival and it's not a history of what young people know um, that might be really helpful for us to know. To conclude this episode, we have a few questions for reflection. How do you create safety and stability for young people during transitions? If you are caring for a young person and they have a new co-tenant arriving, how do you involve them in that process? Has your service thought about practical tools and resources you could develop to help young people get to know you before they transition into your care? Thank you for listening to this episode, the ninth in Peak Care Stories of Hope and Healing series. In the next episode, we'll be exploring working with families. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that the stories and examples shared provide some helpful insight and practical tips for your everyday work with young people. Because if the kid sees their parent communicating with like the youth worker, especially if they love their parents and like most kids, like they're taken off and you know they've had some horrible stuff done to them, they still care about their parents very much. They see them talking to the youth worker, they're going, huh, well maybe they're not so bad after all. Hopefully the kids can see that, you know, everyone involved in their life is working together really well. That'll help them feel more stable and safe. for listening to this episode we hope you enjoyed it and gained a better insight into what the concepts mean in your day-to-day roles with children and young people we are indebted to the time and wisdom of our interviewees and would like to thank the create foundation for their support in interviewing the young people be sure to check out our show notes for additional resources for the episode you can also check out our other episodes in the stories of hope and healing series through your favorite podcast app or by visiting peakcare.org.au or pracademics.org.au. This has been produced and narrated by Pracademics Inc. All music has been produced by me, Matthew Schrader.